0: apple was founded 45 years ago today and when i read that i had the idea to do just a quick little episode for you that highlights the almost 40 different episodes of founders that i've done on steve jobs are the people that he was influenced by or looked up to and the reason i wanted to do that is because i think steve jobs is one of the best illustrations of why founders podcasts exist and that's because steve like every single other of history's greatest entrepreneurs all spent an excessive amount of time studying from and learning from the great people that came before them and then use the ideas that they learn through that practice of study and reading to use those ideas in the company that they wind up building. And that is exactly why Founders exist. If you listen to Founders, you are able to download into your brain the very best ideas of all of history's greatest entrepreneurs and their worst mistakes that you can avoid. And so the fact that you're hearing this, that means you're not currently on the Misfit feed, and that means you're only hearing partial episodes of Founders. You just hear about the first 30 minutes of some of the episodes that I've done. In order to access full episodes, you'll need to sign up by tapping the link that's in the show notes of your podcast player, or by going to founderspodcast.com. And once you do that, you get immediate access to 247 full-length episodes that are available nowhere else. And I add more episodes every week. Uh, Every episode is ad-free, and it takes less than 29 seconds to set up. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go through about, I think there's like 37 episodes on this list that are related to either Steve Jobs himself or people he studied. I will leave all of the uh, the episode title and episode numbers in the show notes. So if you sign up, you can start with these episodes. It gives you like a fantastic blueprint or fantastic roadmap to start going through this extensive uh, catalog back catalog of founders because I've spent four years about 6,000 hours, and I've read over 100,000 pages. So it's um, just to just so I can document and search for the very best ideas in the history of entrepreneurship. I've distilled what I learned down to a, roughly about 400 hours. And by listening to the episodes I'm about to talk to you about, it'd be impossible for you to listen to them, learn the, the best ideas uh, from these extremely talented, some of the smartest and most productive people to ever live, and not get a return on your investment when you apply these ideas to your work. So I'm just going to start... First, I'm going to talk about the ones that are specifically on Steve Jobs. And so the very first episode I ever did on Steve Jobs, it was number five. It was based on Steve Jobs' biography. It was written by Walter Isaacson. And this is where it really blew my mind because as I'm reading this book and Steve is working with the author, with Walter Isaacson, and he knows he's dying. And in this book, Steve introduced me to so many other founders I didn't even know existed. And he goes through at length about all the people that he admired, the people that he wanted to pick their brain, the one he read books about, what was what what uh, what inspired him and what ideas of theirs that he used to build Apple. So that's number 5. Number 19, if I, if you could only read, let's say you only had time to read one biography of Steve Jobs, this is the one I would recommend. And that's uh, this is so this is number 19. The book is called Becoming Steve Jobs: The Evolution of a Reckless Upstart into a visionary leader, and it was published after the uh, Isaacson's biography, so it also uh, builds on some of what Isaacson wrote about. And what I loved about this book is it shows in the subtitle it says the evolution of a reckless upstart into a visionary leader. Steve Jobs was not born as one of the greatest entrepreneurs to ever live. He made himself. He built himself into that person. And so this book spends a lot of time talking about how he the, the mistakes he was making in his twenties and thirties, and how he corrected. He had the ability to constantly was a learning machine. He had the ability to constantly learn and correct his behavior, and without m- making those mistakes and making and and learning from his struggles, we would have never had things like the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad, the iMac, all of the the things that now the the, the gigantic Apple uh, empire sits upon. And the book also has a fantastic uh, uh, introduction written by Mark Andreessen. If you go and look at the description. I have a quote from Mark Andreessen as the description of why I, I created Founders, and it's actually a quote I heard from Mark Andreessen in a different interview. And he talks about like why he's read hundreds of biographies, even to this day. This guy's a multi-multi billionaire. He spends his t- a ton of time reading. He has a, like this ca- this uh, comprehensive uh, historical base of knowledge that helps him succeed in his work. And this is what Mark said about why he read, re, and read and continues to read so many biographies. He says there are thousands of years of history in which lots and lots of very smart people worked very hard and ran all types of experiments on how to create new businesses, invent new technology, new, uh, come up with new ways to manage, etc. They ran these experiments throughout their entire lives. At some point, somebody put these lessons down in a book. For very little money and a few hours of your time, you can learn from someone's accumulated experience. There is so much more to learn from the past than we often realize. You could productively spend your time reading experiences of great people who have come before you and learn every time. So that's the end of the quote. What I loved is when uh, the pandemic happened and everybody was working from home, working remotely, I watched a few interviews that Mark did in his house. And this guy, the reason I point out the fact that he's a multi-billionaire is not to glorify his wealth per se. It's the fact that at that level, you can learn from whoever you want. You could hire the world's experts. You could do whatever you want. And he chooses. He's showing us by his actions that how valuable reading and learning from biographies is. And it's just hilarious, you'd watch these videos of them and it's just Mark in his house, he doesn't even have bookshelves, like he's, his book collection has, has outstripped his shelves. You just have stacks of books on top of each other uh, throughout his living room and wherever he's doing these interviews. And I just like, all right, this is, this is, I'm clearly on the right path. Like this is clearly a very high value activity that we need to keep going on. Um, so, anyways, Mark, Mark and Jason wrote the 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 introduction to to becoming Steve Jobs. It's a fantastic book. Highly recommend reading it. Listen to the podcast first. It's very really helpful to read to listen to the podcast first and then read the read the biographies. Um, a lot of people that that listen to founders do that. And they say that it really adds to their understanding and their their like the it makes the ideas that they're learning stick even more. Then we go to number seventy six. And don't worry about if you don't remember all these numbers. Like I said, I'll list it down below as well. Number 76, this is a, this is a crazy book too. It's called Return to the Little Kingdom, Steve Jobs and the Creation of Apple. So Apple's was, was founded in 1976, 45 years ago today, like I said. This book is written by Michael Moritz. At the time, Michael Moritz was a like a journalist for Time Magazine. He wrote this book. It covers the first six years. It's like a snapshot because it was it was a lot of the books I do on the podcast, you'll see. They're very, very old books. A lot of them are very hard to find. Uh, that's another advantage that Founders gives you. Very few people are reading these books. Very few people are, like, you just have a, a, a complete edge. Because everybody's focused on, like, what's happening now? What's, what are entrepreneurs doing now? And you're like, why are you doing that? Not, to, not why are you doing that, but, like, the greatest people in history studied the people that came before them. It's not that they don't pay attention to what's going on now. But, you like, if you have to choose between, let me listen to a, a podcast interview with an entrepreneur that's operating today, or let me uh, study a great entrepreneur in the past, it's no question Like the greatest entrepreneurs would tell you choose the history first. It's not either or, you can do both and you should do both, but without question, you should, be stu- you should be building your own historical base of knowledge first. That's what all of these people did. So anyways, the reason that this is interesting is because the book is first of all very, very old and it shows at the end of the book, we don't know. Like uh, Steve Jobs had not been kicked out of Apple yet. He's still in his 20s. We don't know what Apple's going to turn into. And then there's an also an interesting point where Michael Moritz, he winds up after that book, he winds up transitioning from a journalist and a reporter to a venture capitalist. And fast forward to today, and he's actually a billionaire because he was really successful at investing in technology companies because that's what he was studying. Uh, number 77, this is Steve Jobs and the Next Big Thing. This is also an important book and also a very old book because it, it, it only it's another snapshot in Steve Jobs' career. And it only covers the thirteen years between when he got kicked out of Apple and when he returns. These are known and referenced as Steve Jobs Wilderness Years. The reason this book is important to the podcast is, is important to listen to, and the book is important to to read is because you have what is arguably one of, if not the greatest entrepreneur to ever live, making one bad decision, one stupid decision after another. It is I call it I think on the podcast I said it's like bizarro Steve Jobs. All the other books are like copy these ideas because Steve, like they're they're genius ideas. This is learn these lessons and do the opposite. It is crazy how you could have somebody so smart and so talented. And I think it's important for all of us to remember that there no one's perfect, right? Even the people that, are, that have wild success. And so this book is just it's just fantastic because let me give you one example. You you know when you're they, Steve talks over over and over again about how important it is to to make sure you have the highest talent level, especially at the beginning of your company. Because when you're starting a company, when the company's small, it is affected by the quality of talent that it has more than a large company is. Because let's say you have 10 people and you hire two bad apples, well, 20% of your company sucks. He, Steve Jobs, one of the first 10 hires at Next, had nothing to do with software, nothing to do with hardware. He hired an interior designer for his office. That's not, that's not a joke. That's, that's a gigantic mistake. The book is, again, fantastic. Very old book. Very few people now. Like your competitors are probably not reading that book. This gives you an advantage. Um, number two oh four, Inside Steve Jobs' Brain. This book was written after he uh, after he came back to Apple the second time, but before he died. It's absolutely fantastic. Number two fourteen. I reread. This is also important. Not just to read a book once or listen to a podcast once, but you go back and you reread great books. You go back and you re-listen to podcasts or a great pod- podcast that's it, that is, because the book stays the same, the podcast stays the same, but you change as a person. Now you've learned a ton. Like in between reading this book the first time, it was number five. This is number two fourteen. That's two hundred and what, nine books I read that a- it adds and ha- knowledge compounds just like money does. And so now I pick up the book. The the words on the page haven't changed, but I've changed drastically. And so you start to notice things you didn't notice. The first part, so that's two fourteen then number 235 is to Pixar and beyond my unlikely journey with Steve Jobs to make entertainment history. Most of what I focus on is the fact that he, the building of Apple, right? But Steve Jobs became a billionaire not from Apple. The first time he became a billionaire was from Pixar. He dumped $50 million into Pixar before it made a dollar. So this book is written by the first CFO of Pixar. and He talks about what it was like to build that company into uh, an asset, a business that was good enough to sell to Disney a couple of years later for almost $8 billion. And the fact is we learn a lot about Steve's approach to company building in that book. And one of the craziest things is when Steve hires the guy who's the, Pixar's first CFO, and he writes the book after he leaves, leaves Pixar, obviously, he, he's looking at the books, he's like, wait a minute, we're losing money every month. And Steve Jobs has put in $50 million of his own money. And this is not billionaire Steve Jobs. He had somewhere to between like 70 and 80 million dollars to thereabouts this is not an exact number when he left apple he put almost all of it and he was at next at the time so his company was it wasn't doing well right this before he went back to apple he put all of it almost all of it, into pixar and he just had the patience and the belief that what that he had a small group of geniuses and they were going to change history and they wound up doing that then i have two bonus episodes so I've done, I don't know, like 10 bonus episodes, somewhere like that. Eventually, I wised up and realized I should number the bonus episodes just like every other episode so you could actually find them. So the, the two I did on, on Steve Jobs was before I realized I should number them. And I was like, oh, I just won't number them because they're bonus episodes. But it's, I, bonus episodes are not every single episode. Before I sit down, like Founders is one of the craziest podcasts that you'll ever come across. Like there's no other podcast like it in the world. Think about how crazy the preparation. Before I sit down to talk to you, I have to read an entire book and it's not like I'm taking long times between making new podcasts. I did 66 new podcasts last year. like It's just insane the amount of the preparation I have to do. So this, the first book is insanely simple, the obsession that drives Apple's success. You can find it between episodes number 112 and episodes number 113. It is written by somebody, it was written by somebody who worked at the ad agency that Steve Jobs used and he taught, he gives us in, he's like, this is what I observed. What makes Steve special? the the ideas that he used that were completely different because this guy is not only working for Apple he's working for all these other technology companies and he's like there's nobody else that thinks like Apple And so he writes an entire book about what are what are these unique uh, these unique things that he's uh, unique perspectives and ideas that Steve used it's a fantastic book uh, then the other bonus episode this book anybody building a product I've read this book three times it's called Creative Selection Inside Apple Des- Apple's Design Process During the Golden Age of Steve Jobs it is written by a programmer at Apple it is you can find it between episodes number 110 and 111. It's you can read it in a weekend. I would buy it right now. Even if you even if you don't sign up for for founders and I think not signing up for founders is a gigantic gigantic mistake. The value to cost ratio is insane. Just read I'll leave some reviews down below if you want to read what other people say. It's it's absolutely crazy, but this book is just fantastic. Gives you an insight into what it was like like this the, the author literally had to do product demos to Steve over and over again. He helped build the first keyboard for the iPhone. He helped bro- build a Safari browser. It's just, there's gold. There's like gem after gem after gem in that book. Okay. Now there's a series of other books I'm going to tell you about that have to do with a person that worked very closely with Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs. So the first one is Johnny Ive and Steve Jobs. I read Johnny Ive's biography. It's number 178, Johnny Ive, the genius behind Apple's greatest products, I just found out that when Johnny Ive worked at at Apple after Steve came back, he he there was only one person in the entire. Steve set up the company, so there's only one person in the entire company to tell that could tell Johnny what to do, and that was him. And his base salary, Johnny Johnny's base salary was thirty million dollars a year. That's how valuable Steve thought he was. So, anyways, that's number one seventy-eight. Johnny Ive, the genius behind Apple's greatest products, another fantastic book. Number thirty-four. Creativity Inc overcoming the unseen forces that stand in the way of true inspiration. This is the co-founder Steve's co-founder of Pixar, Ed Catmull, who's by all accounts a managing uh, managerial genius and also the person that worked the longest consecutive time with Steve Jobs. It was either 24 or 26 years straight. I don't have the book in front of me, so it's one of those. The end of this book, there's called there's a there's like a thirty page afterward or twenty page afterward called The Steve we knew. It's absolutely fantastic, but you can learn a lot from Ed in general. But there's also uh, Steve's, you know, obviously a main character in that book and in that podcast. Now there's two other books that I read that are on Steve Jobs and several other technology company founders. Number one, me, number one fifty seven, The Innovators: How a Group of Hackers, Geniuses, and Geeks Created the Digital Revolution. There's, like, 25 mad geniuses in there. Steve's in there a lot. And a lot of Steve's heroes are in there as well. Uh, and then the other one is uh, another example of a book on Steve Jobs and several other technology company founders. This is number 208 in The Company of Giants, Candid Conversations with Visionaries of the Digital World. Uh, two MBA students at Stanford in the last in the late 90s uh, decided to write a book. And they for the, the entire book is just interviews with, with Steve and I think 15 other technology company founders. Like, Bill Gates is in there. Steve Case. Like, just flat-out geniuses. And so, obviously, if you listen to number 208, you'll learn a lot from Steve Jobs and other people as well. Now, I want to get into Steve's influences. These are the people that he talks about over and over and over again. He has this this world-famous quote when Steve said, Picasso had a saying, good artists copy, great artists steal. And we have always been shameless about stealing great ideas. But it's not that he just steals them. He gives them, he gives credit to who these people are so the most important person i, I would study all these people because they're they're also very formidable individuals in their own right but the person that has the single largest influence on apple is this guy I didn't know who exa- i didn't know about him right before i started doing this project his name's edwin land he was the founder of polaroid he ran polaroid for like 60 years and he was steve jobs hero steve got to meet him edwin was edwin land at the time was like in his 70s steve was in his 20s and he said visiting edwin land was like visiting a shrine. I was shocked when I started reading and I've read five books on Edwin Land for the pro, for the podcast. I was shocked. How many ideas I I had thought I had learned from Steve Jobs that he just learned that he literally reg- regurgitated and learned from Edwin Land. So, number 40, insisting on the impossible, the life of Edwin Land, and there's another book. So, on some episodes I read two books. Number 40 is an example of that. So I read Insisting on the Impossible the Life of Edwin Land, My Opinion, the Best Biography of Edwin Land, number, and uh, and then, then Instant, the Story of Polaroid. So one's a biography of Edwin Land, one's the History of Polaroid. Obviously, uh, you can, there is no Polaroid without Edwin Land. It's literally like he was the company. Uh, then number two, uh, there are three more episodes on Edwin Land. Uh, number 132, The Instant Image, Edwin Land and the Polaroid Experience. Number 133, Land's Polaroid, A Company and the Man Who Invented It. And number 134, A Triumph of Genius, Edwin Land, Polaroid, and the Kodak Patent Word. So right there, because th- these are some giant books right there. That is probably, if I had to guess, almost 2,000 pages just on Edwin Land that I went through. Uh, then we go through uh, one of Steve Jobs' mentor. Two, two of his mentors were the two co-fo- co-founders of Intel. So technically, the, t- the two co-founders of Intel were Bob Noyce and Gordon Moore. Um, but really, Andy Grove was considered an unofficial uh, co-founder, and really one of the most important, probably the, the most important CEO of Intel. So Bob Noyce and Andy Grove, Steve Jobs talks about over and over and over again. Steve, when he was a young kid, Bob Noyce is like the godfather of uh, Silicon Valley at the time. He'd go, he's in his 20s, and he'd just show up at Bob Noyce's house and just have, uh, uh, just have dinner with his family and stuff. Like it was hilarious, and Bob Noyce would constantly like you know, chastising Steve about his bad manners and just the way he talks and everything. Uh, But Bob Noyce, Andy Grove. So number eight, uh, episode number eight, The Intel Trinity, How Robert Noyce, Gordon Moore, and Andy Grove Built the World's Most Important Company. Uh, Number 166, The Man Behind the Microchip, Robert Noyce and the Invention of Silicon Valley. So that's Bob Noyce's biography. And then 159 is the Autobiography of Andy Grove. And it's one of the craziest autobiographies because he winds up... It's... You know what? I'll just read you... I'm going to read you one of the opening paragraphs of the book. It's beautifully written. It only covers the first 21 years of his life. But he says, I was born in Budapest, Hungary in 1936. By the time I was 20, I lived through a Hungarian fascist dictatorship. So this is everything happened to him before he turned 20. I lived through a Hungarian fascist dictatorship, German military operation, the Nazis' final solution, the siege of Budapest by the Soviet Red Army, a period of chaotic democracy in the years immediately after the war, a variety of repressive communist regimes, and a popular uprising that was put down at gunpoint. He ends up escaping Hungary and making it to the United States and then becoming one of the most important uh, founders and, and managers in, in the technology industry uh, history by far. But there's also a fantastic uh, story that Steve Jobs tells in other books why Andy Grove was so important to, to his decision to return to Apple because at the time, you just, well, I'll read this. This is Steve Jobs talking about this. And uh, and this gives you an idea of Andy Grove's, like, blunt, no bullshit style. So it says, we just taken Pixar public, and I was happy being CEO there. I never knew any of anyone who served as a CEO of two public companies, even temporarily, and I wasn't even sure it was legal. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was enjoying spending time. This is all Steve Jobs talking, by the way. I was enjoying spending more time with my family. I was torn. I knew Apple was a mess, so I wondered, do I want to give up this nice li- nice lifestyle that I have? What are all the Pixar shareholders going to think? So I talked to people I respected. I finally called Andy Grove. I gave him the pros and the cons, and in the middle, he stopped me and said, Steve, I don't give a shit about Apple. I was stunned. It was then I realized I do give a shit about Apple. I started it, and it's a good thing to have in the world. That was when I decided to go back. So that's number 159 is Andy Grove's autobiography. Nolan Bushnell, next person. Nolan Bushnell is Steve Jobs, one of Steve Jobs' mentors. He was the founder of Atari and Chuck E. Cheese. He, Steve worked at Atari. Nolan Bush now hired Steve when Steve was 19 years old. And so there's the, an entire book. They met up in Paris in 1980. At the time, Atari and Chuck E. Cheese is way bigger than Apple is. And they they wind up taking a walk for several hours. And, ta- and Nolan and Steve are talking about the difficulties of building companies. That conversation, the ideas that came out of that conversation, Nolan turned into a book. It's number 36. It's called Finding the Next Steve Jobs, How to Find, Keep, and Nurture Talent. Next person is the founder of so- Sony, Akio Morita. Not only did Steve steal ideas from him, he loved Akio. Uh, they went to meeting. Akio also influenced heavily Jeff Bezos as well. Uh, he's got an unbelievable story. One of the best founders to ever do it by far. Number one hundred two, made in Japan, Akio Morita and Sony. This is autobiography. It's fantastic. Walt Disney is another huge influence on Steve Jobs. He loved his dedication to the quality of his product, innovation, and more importantly, that he built a company to last. And that is right before he died. That's what his most important thing is. Like, I'm not worried about money. I'm not worried about any of that. I want to build... My goal was to build insanely great products and to build a, a company that will last. That would, that's what my heroes like Walt Disney, Bob Noyce, all these other people did. That's what I want Apple to be. So Walt Disney's number two. Walt Disney, The Triumph of American Imagination, number 39, Walt Disney, an American Original, and number 158, Walt Disney, and the invention of the amusement park that changed the world. That was a really good book because it's all about Walt Disney at the end of his life. He was dying of lung cancer. He said he was most proud of two things, starting a company and keeping control of it, and number two, Disneyland. That was the favorite thing you ever worked on. And that book on 158 is all about the creation of Disneyland. Uh, another person from history that might surprise you that Steve Jobs studied and learned from was J. Robert Oppenheimer, one of the leaders of the Manhattan Project. He said he learned from J. Robert Oppenheimer the importance of only having the most talented people on your team, that you have to be ruthless in the, qual- the, the level of talent. And so that is number 215, The General and the Genius, Groves and Oppenheimer, the unlikely partnership that built the atom bomb. I read that book because... Steve Jobs said that he studied and learned from Oppenheimer. So if Steve learned from uh, Steve studied and learned from Oppenheimer, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't you? I mean, this is just these are just like the, the biggest no-brainer in the world, right? Henry Ford, another one of Steve Jobs' heroes, one of my favorite entrepreneurs. Uh, I read five different books on Henry Ford. Uh, when Jobs is building the Macintosh, he's in his early twenties. He's saying he wanted to make it as simple as Henry Ford's Model T. Uh, and there's all these other ideas that he took from Henry Ford. Number nine, I invented the modern age, the rise of Henry Ford. Number 26, Henry Ford's autobiography, My Life and Work. Number 80, another book Henry Ford wrote called Today and Tomorrow. Uh, number 118, My 40 Years of Ford. This is like one of uh, Henry Ford's right-hand guys, worked for him for 40 years, named Charles Sorensen. That book is fantastic. A lot of crazy Ford stories in the book. And then number 190, the story of Henry Ford and Thomas Edison's 10-year road trip. Thomas Edison was Henry Ford's hero, and they wind up uh, later in life becoming almost like best friends. So again, everybody has heroes. Everybody learns from somebody. Founders just exists to make this easier, so you can do it easier and faster. And if you pick the right heroes, it's going to change the trajectory of your life for sure. Uh, Steve Jobs says they had a heavy, heavy influence on him was the HP way, which was Dave Packard and Bill Hewlett. They built one of the very first technology companies in Silicon Valley back in like the 1930s, and a lot of people copied their management structure. Steve Jobs copied their management structure. He calls it the HP Way. just so happens that Dave Packard wrote a biography, and he titled it the HP Way. The HP Way helped Bill Hewlett and I built our company. That's episode number 29. Another person that both Steve Jobs studied extensively and his hero Edwin Land studied extensively was Alexander Graham Bell. You will hear in these podcasts and these books, Steve Jobs constantly refer, and Edwin Land refers to... The, the, the issues of creating something that's brand new that the world's never seen before, just like Alexander Graham Bell did with the telephone. They used a lot of his ideas with the marketing of, in Edwin Land's case, the, the first instant f- camera that ever existed in the world. And in Steve Jobs' case, the Macintosh, he talks about this when he was in his 20s. Ha- that's, that's what blows my mind. Like, he had this deep historical knowledge and he had the, the understanding how important it was, Steve, that is, early on. And I, 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 did a, I read a biography of Evan Spiegel, the founder of Snapchat, and I was shocked because when he's in his early 20s, he's saying, hey, I want to build a company and I want to model it after my two heroes. And he said his two heroes was Edwin Land and Steve Jobs. And that's exactly what he's doing. It's, it's just, again, uh, I just have to point this out to you because I didn't know before I started this project, and I think most people don't know, how, mu- like how much of history's greatest entrepreneurs just straight up borrowed ideas, built upon the ideas of the people that came before them. They all do this. And the fact that Evan Spiegel... Think about that. Now, I think Snapchat's worth, I don't know, let's say $30 billion. He might have a private net worth, of I don't know, $6 billion or whatever. It's a lot of money, right? How valuable to Evan was learning and studying Steve Jobs and Edmund Land? Well, billions. That's not hy- hyperbolic. That is a stone-cold fact. The fact that he learned from let them influence his the way his approach to his company was is literally worth billions of dollars and they they all know this. Go back to Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger. There's a there's a great uh, book on Charlie Munger called Poor Charlie's Almanac. There's a quote in that book that I've never forgotten. That's number episode number 90 by the way. I don't want to you know tell you every every podcast I've ever done. You know that that'd be hours and hours. But in episode 90, I read Poor Charlie's Almanac. There's a quote in that book that I've never forgotten. And what. Charlie Munger has read hundreds of biographies. He's a billionaire. You know how many... I don't think there's any billionaires that have not read a ton of biographies. Like, it's crazy how much they all talk about it. Elon Musk. That's where I got the idea to do this podcast. I saw an interview with Elon Musk in 2012. And he was asked by this guy named Kevin Rose on this 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 uh, podcast that used to exist called Foundation. He's like, you came from... Kevin asked Elon. He's like, you came from South, from South Africa. Then you went to Canada. Then you went to California. You're in your 20s. Like, how did you learn how to build companies? Like... Did you read a lot of business books? And Elon said something that I never forgot, and that's the, the, the initial idea to do, this pro- to do this project. He said, no, I didn't read business books. I read biographies. He's like, I looked for mentors in historical context, books basically. I read biographies. I thought they were helpful. And he talks about reading bi- biography of Benjamin Franklin, Henry Ford, Nikola Tesla, obviously. He's read biographies of every single person who's ever built a rocket. Like, and he's still doing this to this day. Like, how crazy. Like, how many other people do you know that, that are busier than Elon Musk, for God's sake? And this guy still takes time and spends time reading biographies. What does that tell you? This is clearly a high value activity that you need to make a part of your life. So, anyways, Alexander Graham Bell, uh, 138. I don't know if I, I lost, I went off on a tangent there. Number 138, Reluctant Genius, The Passion of Life and Event of Mind of Alexander Graham Bell. I'm almost done. Uh, this is Robert Friedland. Okay So Robert Friedland is the closest person I've ever uh, covered that's like a cult leader. And he was actually running this like commune when, when Steve Jobs was in. Steve Jobs and him were friends in college. And people that knew Steve Jobs before he met Robert Friedland say that he wasn't very charismatic. He met Robert Friedman, who was extremely charismatic. So Steve starts becoming more charismatic and understanding the influence that charisma can have on other humans around you, right? They wind up having a falling out. Steve Jobs says he like crosses a line between being like a charismatic founder and like a cult leader and like a con artist, but Robert Friedland winds up becoming a billionaire. I read this book number 131, The Big Score: Robert Friedland and the Boise Bay Hustle. And so Robert makes money in mining, like selling mining rights. And so Steve Jobs is in this book uh, as well. They talk about the relationship that Robert and Steve had. They they're not they were not they, they you know they, they used to be friends, they never were after that. Uh, but it was just a, a weird coincidence that two guys sitting in like an apple commune like this this communist like commune slash apple farm both hippies both dropping acid doing all this crazy stuff like both become billionaires one in technology building technology products and one in mining it was just very surprising and then the, the last is steve's best friend steve did not have a lot of like close friends he dedicated his life to to work but his best friend was Larry Ellison. I did a three-part series on Larry Ellison. In all these books, Steve Jobs is gonna pull up, is gonna pop up, rather, uh, because you know Larry talks about like he thinks Steve's one of the most important people to ever live. Like he just he almost like idolized him. And Larry's a crazy character too. Like he, I mean, just insane. And he's been running his company since the 1970s. You know, he's worth tens and tens of billions of dollars to this day. But that's number 124, Software, An Intimate Portrait of Larry Ellison, an Oracle. Number 126, The Billionaire and the Mechanic. That is a crazy book. If you only read one book on Larry Ellison, that, that, that's the book I would read. The subtitle is How Larry Ellison and a Car Mechanic Teamed Up to Win Sailing's Greatest Race, the American Cup, twice. And finally, number 127, The Difference Between God and Larry Ellison. God Doesn't Think That He's Larry Ellison. So that's it. I'll list everything down below. I hope, uh, I h- encourage you heavily to sign up for the Misfit feed. Uh, once you sign up, you get immediate access to every full-length episode. I will leave this list down below so you have a good blueprint or a map to start. Uh, there's no special app required. You're going to listen to the Misfit feed and your favorite podcast player. It takes less than 29 seconds to set up. You can start learning from some of the greatest minds in history. And you can upgrade now by tapping the link that's in the show notes to your podcast player or by going to founderspodcast.com. All right. Hope to see you in the Misfit feed. Talk to you later.